Oh, well done. Beautiful, Jackie. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. No, those weren't for me. Sorry, sorry. Hey, welcome. We're so glad you're here with us. My name's Eric Henderson. I'm the senior associate pastor here at Green Lake, and it's a privilege uh, to share with you this morning. How about that storm last night? Pretty, pretty exciting. That we were kind of forced to listen to it at home, like all of you were, and uh, there were our kids were a little frightened at one point, and I was like, "Do I look scared? Like you can, you know, you can have confidence because like I'm not scared, so you don't need to be scared." And then there was like that really big thunder, and then I kind of got scared, and then we were just all scared. So you learn a lot about yourself uh, during during storms, uh, but powerful for us to be together today. We're beginning a new series uh, called Gather, Grow, Go. And every year in September, we do this series. And these, each of these three words are, are really important and, and speak to distinctives of who the church, the people of God are called, uh, things we're called to do and, and, and who we're called uh, to be. And it is strategic and significant uh, that our kids, uh, children and youth, K through 12, are with us in worship today. Why don't you kids, like, let's hear you. Give us, a, give us a shout. Hey, and that's your permission. If you need to make noise, make, make noise. It's okay. Moms and dads, don't squirm. If you have been told like you give like a stank face or an evil eye, like just really practice like your smile today. Noise is good and, and it's okay. Uh, I saw some of you kind of shifting in your seats earlier when Chris mentioned kids in worship. Like, oh man, that's today. Uh, <laughs> I gotta go, I really gotta go to the bathroom. Or I think I left something at home in the oven. Um, but just encourage you to stay put. Uh, we've locked the doors. And so, uh, but I promise you, this will not be that bad. So if you would just turn to your neighbor and say, this won't be that bad. Good. Okay. Okay. So, uh, my dad, my dad told my kids a joke the other day, and I'm going to tell it to you now. Uh, it's always good to just announce that it's a joke, because sometimes when pastors tell jokes, it's not actually clear <laughs> that it was a joke, but I think you guys might get this one. So uh, it goes like this. One Sunday morning, uh, a pastor in the foyer of a church noticed a kid who was staring up at a large plaque on the wall. My daughter Lane's excited. Uh, <laughs> And he was staring at it for some time, so the pastor walked up, you know, and kind of stood next to the kid and said, good morning. The kid said, good morning, pastor, and pointed up at the plaque and said, what's this? And the the pastor said, well, these these are all the people who have died in the service. And kind of soberly, they stood together for a moment, staring up at this large plaque. And the kid's voice just barely broke the silence when they asked quietly, which service, sir? <laughs> the 9.30 or the 11. So uh, this won't be that bad. Uh, Jesus died on a Friday so that come Sunday we could have life. Amen? And that's actually the gospel, so we can just head on out. Um, but with everyone here, we want to take a few minutes and consider why it is uh, that we gather together. And, and I promise this will be like half of, a, of one of Richard's sermons. Um, But we want to pause at the beginning of this new year and consider what it means to gather together. The verses from the Bible that, uh, was it Jackie, read for us, 
uh, they invite us into these three realities that can transform us and the world around us. If you grabbed your bulletin that you received on the way in, they're, they're in there, but we're going to look at these together. Uh, they're gonna, we're going to dive in. They're on the screen, and I want us uh, to say these three things together. So number one, number two, and number three. All right, let's pray together. God, we thank you uh, for bringing us here. God, we thank you for warmth and, and safety. Uh, Jesus, I, I just was mindful last night uh, as, as the, the rain and, and thunder and lightning was going, just uh, remembering uh, people who are currently unhomed, people um, uh, living in cars and just imagining that different reality. And so we're um, thankful for this roof over our head here and elsewhere. And Jesus, we're just uh, mindful this morning of the call for us to be a, a welcoming and hospitable uh, community, uh, always trying to reach out and meet the needs of those around us. So we pray that you would give us a big vision for that today in all the ways that you will. And God, we just want to study your word for a few minutes together uh, and, and see what tra- change you'll bring uh, in us. So Lord, thank you for meeting us here. We love you. All right, so first, we are the captives. The scripture said, thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession. So, so Paul's thanking God here. That seems good. And then Jesus is having some sort of victory parade. That also seems good. But then right in the middle of there, there's an interesting phrase. It says, Jesus is leading us as captives. Now, what's a captive? Anybody? Prisoner, yes. It, it kind of begs the question, this, this doesn't sound good. So when the Bible gets confusing to me, and that's most of the time for me, uh, there's a good trick for all of us to ask this question, to dig a little deeper. There's a saying I learned, it goes like this, we'll say it together. In order to know what it means, you have to know what it meant. So the Apostle Paul was writing in the first century in a language uh, called Greek in a place called Corinth. And we're reading it in the 21st century uh, in English in Seattle. So uh, for us to know what it means today, we need to know what it meant back then. And the verb translated in English, now what's a verb? We're just back to school, anybody? Action word, good. So the verb that's used there as led in triumph, so we're going somewhere, it's a technical term, meaning it was a specific thing that the Corinthians would have understood as a special kind of parade called the triumphal procession. One scholar describes them this way. The triumphal procession was a lavish, now lavish is fancy for expensive, if there's any fancy Nancy fans here, Uh, a parade conducted in Rome to celebrate great victories in battle. Like a seafare parade in Seattle or a St. Patrick's Day parade in Chicago, these were major cultural and civic events. So I found an example of this in the 1984 classic, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, anybody? Uh, So let's get an example of this parade really quick. You know you got me going now. 
man, I thought for sure they were on like skateboards or something. <laughs> so we can imagine a parade. Who's been to a parade before? We've all, yeah, most of us have been to parade. Paul wants the Corinthians and, and those of us following Jesus to understand there's an order of, an, of importance in this parade. Now, Paul is calling himself and all of us captives, like we said, prisoner. Now, we might expect that if, that if Jesus won a battle and we're following Jesus, that we would be like right up behind Jesus kind of proudly, uh, but that's not the case here. The, the captives are the ones who were just defeated in battle. These are the, the folks that lost, and now they're being paraded through the streets on the way to their death. There's a better example in the in like Gladiator, but I thought that that wouldn't be an age-appropriate movie for us. So we'll just thank our God for Ferris Bueller. Uh, Paul, Paul is saying to us, hey, everybody, look, following Jesus uh, doesn't promise a life of ease, of, of, of prominent position or honor or, 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 or glory. It involves suffering, but because of Jesus' victory over sin and death, we can become rejoicing captives. Not only are we the captives, but we are the rejoicing captives. And the mystery of the gospel is that in losing, we win. And in dying, we find life. The last become first. We gather week in and week out in our services, in our small groups, in all the places that God calls us to, to be shaped by Jesus, to be reminded of our position in the kingdom, not the first but the last, servants, once enemies of God and now friends of God. And it should leave us astonished like the guy in the bottom left of this picture. It's Michael Jordan, if anybody. I'm using like real old references here just for fun. Uh, so so we're the, this is Christus Victor, by the way. There's a lot of, have you heard of theories of the atonement? Um, you know, in trying to understand what is it that Jesus did? Did he just, did he pay a debt? Did he win something? There's like seven or nine of them. My favorite is Christus Victor. And that meme is the best example of what it means for Jesus uh, to win the battle over sin and death. He's dunking on the Lakers. I'm all in on that. So, so we are the captives. So we're going to move on. What's our second point? Say it with me. The aroma. The text goes on and says, God uses us to spread the aroma of Christ, the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. I wonder if you've ever been minding your own business and all of a sudden you kind of smell something uh, and it kind of stops you and you say, what's that smell? Has this has happened to you? This can be a good thing or a bad thing. So let me, uh, I'm going to bring up uh, Pastor Chris and then my daughter Lane. Will you come up? Uh, and so I'm going to invite you guys to just close your eyes. We're going to do a bit of a blind smell test here. Okay, so here, Lane, you're all ready. Come on right up here. Okay, good. Stand right there, Chris. You're good. Okay, guys, close your eyes. Now, Lane, I'm going to give you something to smell. She's really hiding those eyes. So I want you to smell this and tell me what you smell. A flower. A flower. Does it smell good? Yeah. Okay. So you can hold on to this for a minute. Okay. Now, Pastor Chris, you, with your eyes closed, I'm just going <laughs> to. Great. So just tell me, tell me what you smell. Oh, just get in there. Yeah, really. <laughs> good, good. Yeah. A wet dog. 
What? Yeah, okay. Good. So things can smell good. Things can smell bad. Let's give these guys a hand. Can I keep hey, this? Yeah, you can keep this. Will you bring one to your mom? That's, that's how it's done, folks. That's how it's done. People are like, how did he? I'm smooth. That's good. Uh, now, I want all of you to turn and just quickly smell your neighbor. Just, just, don't, 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 don't. Paul says, don't do it, don't do it. Paul says we are the aroma of Christ to God among men. It, it, it rises to God, but I think the word is smelt. It's kind of a fun, but it's smelt by those around us. And it's an interesting choice of metaphor, isn't it? Uh, oftentimes smells are, are bad. We have them in our minds. Uh, what does Jesus smell like? What was, now, what was our phrase again when the Bible gets confusing? Let's say it again together. In order to know what it means, you have to know what it meant. There's a few things going on here for us to understand. The first is that these triumphal processions had a, had a smell to them. Uh, incense would be burning as they're, as they're parading through the streets. There'd be food cooking. Maybe imagine, did anyone go to the fair this summer up in Snohomish? Or maybe you're planning to go to the Puyallup Fair. They're both called the State Fair or something. Uh, but think of that food section. You're walking through maybe the fair scones. Anybody? Uh, maybe an elephant ear or, or burgers. These are, for most of us, they're pleasing aromas. But there's another, so there's a smell to it. There's another thing going on here that, that Paul wanted the Corinthians and us to understand. Paul was calling to mind the idea of Old Testament sacrifices, the Old Covenant. Now, do you, do you know what I mean by the Old Covenant? Before Jesus died for the sins of the whole world, for every bit of, of sadness and evil and wrong, the way to say sorry, the way to attempt to make it right was for someone to bring their best animal. Now, kids, I'm not talking about like the family dog or the family cat. They're, they're safe. Uh, this was like a, a bull or a sheep, some livestock or a goat, and they would kill it and they would offer it to God as a sacrifice. And the sa that would have a smell to it and that sacrifice would be a pleasing aroma to God. Anytime we turn things back to God, God loves this. And Paul is saying that his life is a sacrificial offering to God. He was saying that, that God and all the people that his life and ministry touched would be able to smell that something had died. Now, in my family growing up, when dad said, like, what died, it wasn't a, a good smell. But depending on the condition of someone's heart, this smell would lead to life. It would be good or it would, or it would be bad. It would lead to death. Paul said in his first letter to the Corinthians, he said, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The kingdom of God in the life of a, of a Christian often seems backwards, doesn't it? That, that death can smell good, that following Jesus might produce suffering and that suffering would produce joy. And then Jesus said, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. And then Jesus said, the last will be first and the first will be last. These feel backwards, don't they? And the invitation for us today is to smell like Jesus. And ironically, that means we smell 
like something died. And I wonder what it is that each of us need to let die today. I wonder what it is that each of us need to die to. Maybe it's your anger. Maybe, uh, maybe as a result of a wound or, or some hurt that just continues, your anger continues to rob your joy. And maybe you don't see it. Uh, maybe someone around you sees it. Maybe your family feels it. But maybe you need to die to your anger today. Maybe you need to die to your selfishness today. Maybe God's been bringing opportunities for you to love people around you at work or at school, on the playground or in the lunchroom, someone that's by themselves that, that most people tend to avoid. Maybe we need to die to our selfishness that says, I'm not gonna engage them today. Maybe we need to take up our cross and engage them. Maybe it's just your busyness. I think a lot of us suffer through our busyness. We, you know, maybe we don't find the time and energy for the things that matter most. You know, we, we, we all know somebody who uh, maybe has uh, kind of slowly kind of drifted away from the people of God and drifted away from their faith and the church because of busyness. It started, you know, the, the kid was in a league that plays on Sundays and then slowly, little by little, the, the family's gone. Uh, did you know that Mr. Rogers was a... Um, Presbyterian minister. I share that because like half of you here out here I think are Presbyterian ministers. Uh, and so I just wanted to, that's like a joke, sorry. Uh, but I thought I'd share with you a, a story that, that Mr. Rogers uh, shared in a, he went to Dartmouth University in 2002, he gave a commencement address. And Mr. Rogers is kind of the it guy right now. He's like smiling down from heaven, loving this resurgence um, because he, he taught us uh, a, a lot of things. Uh, but it illustrates what it means for us to be the aroma of Christ. So I want us to watch this together. Have you heard my favorite story that came from the Seattle Special Olympics? Well, for the 100-yard dash, there were nine contestants, all of them so-called physically or mentally disabled. All nine of them assembled at the starting line, and at the sound of the gun, they took off. But not long afterward, one little boy stumbled and fell and hurt his knee and began to cry. The other eight children heard him crying. They slowed down, turned around, and ran back to him. Every one of them ran back to him. One little girl with Down syndrome bent down and kissed the boy and said, this will make it better. And the little boy got up and he and the rest of the runners linked their arms together and joyfully walked to the finish line. They all finished the race at the same time. And when they did, everyone in that stadium stood up and clapped and whistled and cheered for a long, long time. People who were there are still telling the story with great delight. And you know why. Because deep down, we know that what matters in this life 
is more than winning for ourselves. What really matters is helping others win too, even if it means slowing down and changing our course now and then. It's beautiful, huh? Part of why we gather week in and week out is that we often forget the call of God. We kind of make our own plans and start doing our own things and forget what Jesus has called us to be. Jesus said, come follow me and I will make you fishers of people. I saw this sign that reminds me of this call in terms of smelling as well. An old fisherman never died, they just smell that way. But this is the call for us. So let's recap together. The first was we are the aroma, the second we are the captives, and finally let's say it together. We are the move. Now what is the move? In verse 14, Paul says we spread the aroma, uh, that we spread it everywhere. And the word used in Greek is this word that's called topos. And it means in every place, but it doesn't mean kind of willy-nilly wherever. It's specific places. And Paul finishes in verse 17 and, and says that we're sent by God. In this sense, we are the move. One of my favorite podcasts is, follows cycling, and it's called The Move because in every race there's this moment where the, the, the person who's going to win or the team that, that's going to win makes the move, and it, and it leads to their ultimate victory. And the Tour de France this year, any Tour de France fans? There's always, okay, we got like five. So that, that's about the average uh, nationally. Uh, thanks, Lance. Uh, in... In this year's Tour de France, the guy that won, his name was Egan Bernal, 22-year-old Colombian. Uh, people said early on that he was going to win, and throughout 20 stages, you thought, there's no way this guy's going to win. But on the final climb of stage 20, uh, he sees Julian Alaphilippe about to, uh, starting to crack, and so he hops out of the saddle and takes off, uh, and he ultimately wins the Tour. He made the move. God made the move when he sent Jesus to live in our skin, to walk our streets, to be paraded through the, the streets of, of Jerusalem as a captive, and ultimately to die on a Roman cross like a common criminal, and then rise from the dead, leaving an empty tomb behind. So when we put it that way, God is the move, and our invitation is to serve the move, that, that God is on the move through you and I in each of the specific places that he's called us to. I'm gonna have you turn to your neighbor again. This is, a, this is a real thing. And ask them where they are on Mondays. What is it that they do? And then wherever it is they say, I want you to tell them this, that God is on the move in that place through you. So let's turn together. Okay. So we are the move of God in, in, in our homes and in our, in our schools and at the park and in traffic. 
even there, in every place, when we're by ourselves or, or when we're gathered together so that the people around us get just a whiff of Jesus. And it's a pleasing aroma. The church smells like authentic community, some might say. The church smells like justice. The church smells like hospitality. The church smells like hope and joy and, and love. Now, you may say, I can't be all that. I'm, I'm in a season of rest. I was, I was wounded. I burn out. I can't, I can't lead right now. I hear you, and I invite you rest for a season. Bethany has been a place of rest for many people. But seasons change, but our call doesn't. God is on the move, and we're invited to serve the move. We're entering a season as a church where the, the only barrier for us accomplishing all that we feel God is calling us to is, is for people, for all of us to just say, I'm in, and then show up and, and, and keep showing up. It's true that not everyone can lead, but everyone can serve. And we want to do hospitality as a church in a greater way this year. We want to, uh, everyone to be in a small group. We want more folks to show up at, at our community meals on the second and last Monday of the month just to be a ministry of presence, sharing life uh, with all who come. We want more people to uh, invite, maybe, maybe your neighbor uh, today was a kid, and you said, hey, kids aren't so bad. Uh, and maybe you want to serve uh, in family ministry in some way. We would love uh, to have you. We want everybody giving and not to support Bethany. We want to support Bethany's contribu contribution to the kingdom of God, for the move of God in the world. We're going to close uh, in a moment here by singing together, as we always do. And we're going to sing a new song called King of Kings. And oftentimes someone will ask me, like, Eric, what's your favorite? I'm also the worship pastor here. They'll ask, what's your favorite song? This is my favorite song. So I want you to learn it. We're going to sing it together. Uh, it's, it's my favorite. And the verses take us through the entire faith story of the church. And they, they remind us that God's not finished with us. This is verse four, as we'll sing in a few minutes. I'll invite the band to come. It says this, and the church of Christ was born. Then the spirit lit the flame. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now this gospel truth of old shall not kneel and shall not faint. By his blood and in his name, in his freedom, I am free. For the love of Jesus Christ who has resurrected me. So we gather week in and week out to reorder and recenter our lives around the transforming power of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, the new covenant, that we are free and Jesus is making all things new. So we are the captives, we are the aroma, and we are the move. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for moving among us, that you are here today. And Jesus, uh, I'm just mindful how often that when we gather within these walls, it's a bit of practice that you're inviting us in, in a safe space uh, to understand what it means to just follow you in every moment. And so it's, it's easy in here and sometimes a little bit harder in the places that you've called us to on Mondays. And so we want to sing our faith together. Uh, we want to open up our hearts and, and just practice what it means to just give more and more ground uh, to die to ourselves in order that your life might be on display in us. And so we take these next few moments uh, seriously. We ask that you would open our hearts. Uh, 
Lord, we love you. In your name, amen. Well, as we respond, there'll be members of the prayer team uh, up front here. We'll stand in a few moments, but let's worship together.